Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Manxiety Podcast. We're your hosts, Ashad and Matt. Before we get started, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you can get notified of new episodes. If you want to share this with your friends, you can find us on all podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This week, we have a special guest on the show for all of you. We're joined by Marcus Bales, professional speaker and author. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Of course. It's a, it's a pleasure having you here. And I know that you have a book coming out here soon. Um, and I know our listeners are all very interested in knowing a little bit more about you and also your book. Can you tell us a little bit about both? Yeah, absolutely. So my new book comes out on May 3rd. It's called Don't Shut Up. And it's my collection of stories and advice on how to overcome social anxiety. So I started out life as a, a socially anxious kid to the point where it affected my schooling, my friends, my social life. And slowly throughout the last 20 years, I have overcome that social anxiety and actually become a professional speaker. So I thought it would be a good time to kind of chronicle that journey and write down some of the tips and tricks that I use to hopefully help uh, even more people out there who suffer from from social anxiety. No, that's um, that's amazing. Um, we similarly, the reason we started this podcast was because of our experiences with anxiety as well. So it's always great seeing other people, you know, sharing their experience and, uh, you know, providing kind of what worked for them and tips and tricks for others. Uh, what, I guess in your case, what was the cause of your social anxiety? And uh, in a more general sense, what, um, what are some causes of social anxiety? Yeah, so my social anxiety specifically stemmed from kind of the fear of failing in front of others. Uh, and I, I think it started right around first grade, uh, you know, no distinct memory in particular. Uh, but, you know, kind of that age when people start to branch out, start, you know, going to school, talking to other kids. Uh, and for whatever reason, that just terrified me. So that kind of reinforced that anxiety around speaking. And of course, kids can be mean. <laughs> so when you get bullied a little bit, it, it makes you want to be more quiet. And you're like, oh, it's just easier to lower my head. So for a lot of people, it, it stems from kind of bullying or being an outcast. Uh, so you don't get to practice your, your speaking ability uh, and you don't build up that confidence uh, that you need to be a good speaker. So a lot of it stems from kind of those early childhood uh, moments surrounding, you know, how you interact with others. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I know that I, I've had a fear of public speaking and some social anxiety as well. Uh, I, I can't remember my first grade, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I had similar experiences. And unfortunately, I feel like it's not only, you know, not only when you're that young that that happens. I mean, I, I remember being in high school um, and, you know, there, there was still bullying going on and people, you know, not letting others speak and, um, you know, having that throughout the years, even after your school and maybe even into work, I'm sure can, uh, uh, you know, make the anxiety worse or not allow you the time to to heal and to, you know, to figure out what's going on and to find ways around it. Absolutely. How long did it take you to overcome that? 
Uh, so it's been a progressive process. Uh, and I would say that I'm still not completely, you know, cured of social anxiety. I don't think you ever do. It's it's one of those things that you either have it or you don't. And, you know, you'll probably have it for the rest of your life. But it's it's how can you deal with it? You know, very much like depression, you're always going to be susceptible to it. But how can you manage the symptoms and live a, a fulfilled life even with, uh, you know, kind of having that anxiety, having that depression. So it's a constant, you know, process. Uh, but I would say the the bulk of my journey happened in the first, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years um, when I kind of embarked on this journey, uh, starting in sixth grade, actually, was when I had a definitive aha moment of, man, if, if I don't learn how to speak better uh, and interact with people, I'm going to get left behind. So that was where I really started. And then over that, you know, 15 year period, uh, I was able to overcome the anxiety enough to actually become a professional speaker, uh, which was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Uh, but I knew that it was the next logical step if I wanted to keep going. Oh, that, wow. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's great that you had such a, a realization over it at such a young age. Yeah, I, I actually remember it vividly. Uh, and I, I talk about it in the book at length. But um, my anxiety was so bad, I couldn't read out loud. So when it was time to read, I would stumble through paragraphs. And so to my teachers, I couldn't read. They were like, Oh, he, he's way behind on his reading level. So I got put in these special reading classes, which was very frustrating, because I knew I could read. But they didn't know because I couldn't articulate it to them. So towards the end of sixth grade, I finally took a silent reading test, passed right within the normal range and was like, oh, man, if I don't learn to articulate and become a better speaker, I'm going to keep getting you know left behind. Yeah, it's that brings up an interesting point about how our education system kind of you know, they don't take those things into account, right? Uh, and, it, um, you know, it's, it's great that you were able to figure that out in sixth grade, but, uh, you know, th there are, I'm sure, countless other children who uh, go through the same thing and kind of what you said, right, get left behind because uh, the teacher, you know, they couldn't speak up, the teachers didn't have that, maybe they didn't have silent reading tests. Um, what, what advice would you give to others who maybe aren't in sixth grade anymore, but you know, have continued struggling with that, you know, how did you kind of what what made you realize that uh, outside of the classes and everything, what made you realize that, hey, I need to, you know, take stand and to take action? And then what action did you take? Right? What was the catalyst of that? Yeah, so it, you know, like most things, it was uh, small steps throughout a very long process. Uh, and sixth grade was just the beginning. You know, that was kind of a realization moment. But, I, you know, I was in sixth grade. I didn't really start putting it into practice uh, until later on. But even just that beginning moment, whether you're in sixth grade or, or you're 60, that moment is really important when you decide, I don't want to be like this anymore. I'm going to get better. Uh, and then that's going to start propelling you into a mindset where you're going to be able to start implementing, you know, the tips and tricks that I talk about and also just kind of overcoming it on a personal front. Uh, you know, we identify as socially anxious or introverted or, oh, well, I'm just a, you know, a lone wolf. 
well, maybe those things are not the best label. And when you do that to yourself, you're kind of putting yourself in a box. So being able to say, hey, I'm ready. I, I want to become a better speaker. I want to overcome that anxiety. Um, that's, you know, can be a moment at any point in someone's life. What, uh, if you don't mind sharing, what, what are some of those tips and tricks that, that you talk about just as a sneak preview into, uh, into your book? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, one of the first tips that I talk about that helped me a lot, um, and it, it, this was even just recently, uh, there was a, uh, an author, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, which is a great book that I would recommend. And he talks about identity-based habits, which is the idea that if you change how you identify yourself, it's a lot easier to stick to a habit. So instead of saying, I want to quit smoking, you would instead say, I don't need to smoke. I'm not a smoker. So you're changing how you identify yourself. So that's a really important step that I have added to the process that I think would have made my you know transition a lot easier. Uh, if I knew to say, hey, I don't need to be nervous. I am a confident speaker. So I think that's step number one is to just kind of change how you identify yourself. It's really easy to say, oh, well, I'm not good at speaking because I'm not a confident speaker. I'm you know, socially anxious because I'm introverted or I don't need to get better at this. So taking that first step of saying, no, I am a confident speaker because we all are. You know, there we all talk to people every single day. And then for whatever reason, you get in front of a couple people or you're around some people that you don't know. And that's when you start to clam up. So being able to say, no, I, I am a confident speaker. I do this all the time. That's a, that's the first step. I think that's a very important step, too. Um, we, we've touched upon that before on this podcast as well. Uh, not obviously specific to social anxiety, but just in general saying, you know, I'm an anxious person or any of that makes you feel more anxious. But, you know, the researchers have found that when you say I'm feeling anxious right now, you know, make it more of a temporary thing or a momentary thing. Uh, it, you know, you, you create in your mind, you create this thing that it's temporary and it's going to go away and it already starts making you feel better. Um, so, uh, you know, I can see how it can be applied to all these different uh, types of anxiety and types of areas. But that's that's a very good tip. Um, I'm, I'm sure the book is full of uh, many more useful tips like that. And I look forward to, to reading about them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the big things I try to do is is break it down into manageable chunks. Uh, you know, I don't want to go in and, and try to take somebody from socially anxious to professional speaker by the time they finish the book. So it's very much a step by step, small increments in the book that are broken down in a way that is is easily digestible. So if you if you pick up the book and you just read a couple of chapters and then you go and you, you practice, that's totally fine. You don't have to sit down and and kind of try to boil the ocean. You can take small steps every single day. Yeah, that makes sense. What, what made you want to become a professional speaker? What was, um, you know, in sixth grade, were you just like, I feel socially anxious, so I'm going to go and do the one thing, you know, the scariest thing I can find for me? Or uh, how did that um, that come about? Uh, so 
in sixth grade, I would have never thought that I would I would have been a professional speaker. Uh, it was really kind of happenstance. Uh, I was actually working as a DJ. Uh, so I was producing electronic music. I was DJing. And that kind of led into doing more speaking engagements. Uh, I, I was discovered by a great event company uh, in Madison, Celebrations Entertainment. And they kind of took me under their wing. And unbeknownst to me, I started that process from going from DJ to MC to keynote speaker. Uh, and before I knew it, that process, you know, was was rolling. And I was one of the most booked MCs uh, in Wisconsin. So it was really just kind of a natural progression. I had the option to say no, but it felt like this is the next logical step. And then, of course, that led into more speaking engagements and eventually conferences. Um, and, and now what I'm doing uh, today, which is more conference based presentations uh, to, to much larger audiences. Is this your first book, the one that's coming out? Yeah, yeah, this is this is the first book. Um, it's many years in the making now, uh, trying to kind of whittle down what are what are the key elements. Um, but uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's finally ready. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, how has the transition been from uh, professional speaking to author to actually, you know, putting it down into words? Yeah, so I've, I've always loved writing. Uh, I write all of my own speeches. And so going into the book, uh, obviously, I went and did as much research as I could uh, on how to write a book, uh, picked up a bunch of different literature on that, uh, and just started going like everything else that I've done. It was I'll write a chapter here. I'll just take a little step here and and kind of piece away at it. Uh, and then eventually there was a, a full book in front of me. And I was like, wow, that was a long process, but very rewarding. So the, the transition was was fairly easy, uh, especially because it's it's about me, you know, so it it's just telling stories from my life and and all of the the tips and tricks that that I kind of came up with. Yeah, it also seems to draw a lot of parallels here between <clears throat> doing it piece by piece, right? You write the book, you know, a word, a chapter, a paragraph at a time or you know, paragraph chapter, right? And then same thing with the journey outside of it. And it was like the next step up, right? From DJ to MC to most booked MC ever, right? In Wisconsin and then furthering that. So it's kind of like, it's just so important, I think, that people realize you don't have to do it all at once, right? You can just start small. And I, I, I really appreciate that you are talking about that because in terms of like my own social anxiety and stuff that I've had, it's like you have to, you know, just really start at that base level, right? Meeting people where they're at and then kind of going from there. So it's cool to see that that like worked and that, that the process does work, right? It's not something that like you just made up. Like, yeah, let's just take it day by day. Everybody's like, okay, cool. No, it's like tried and true and you have been really successful through it and done those next steps. It's great. To, great to see. Yeah, I, you know, it's like all great things take time. And especially now in kind of the instant gratification world we live in, um, we almost expect that, oh, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to be a professional speaker. When I really try to tell an honest story of this is going to take a lot of work, this is going to take time, and it's okay. You know, you don't have to be able to go up and speak in front of a thousand people. If you can get up and, and just introduce yourself to a new person that you've never talked to, that's a big stride and you shouldn't diminish that. 
everything that you do to overcome social anxiety is a big step and you should you should reward yourself for that i completely agree how do you think social anxiety well how has it impacted your career i mean it, it sounds like it's kind of <laughs> propelled your career right and um uh, even though uh, it was something you struggle with, it's uh, you've made it kind of into a uh, into an advantage and uh, a, a, you know a power kind of. Uh, but how do you think it might impact uh, someone else or other people's careers? Yeah, um, and I'll be the first to say that that my career has not been a, a nice straight path, and my anxiety you know still creeps in to this day. Um, though I've come up with a lot of ways to kind of overcome it and I'm a lot more comfortable on stage than I ever thought I would be, there's still moments where I do still get stage fright. You know, it's inevitable. I think everybody does, you know, regardless of what they say. So, you know, there were many moments and some I talk about in the book of during that journey where I was on stage and I could barely breathe, sweating all the way through my suit and just trying to keep it together. Uh, so I think it's a very honest portrayal of of how that happens. I feel like so many public speakers, so many, you know, artists and singers, you know, they just jump like a quantum leap from, oh, they're just some random person to, oh, they're they're this magnificent speaker when there's definitely a story behind the scenes that we rarely get to see. Uh, so there's many moments that that my social anxiety has impacted uh, my career uh, and my life even to this day. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, how pro prolific do you think social anxiety is? Uh, uh, it's actually incredibly prolific. So uh, about 8% of adults will suffer from some form of social anxiety. Uh, and the most shocking part about that number is it's only clinically diagnosed social anxiety. So those are only people who have gone in and been diagnosed that they have clinical social anxiety. So that leaves out millions of people that feel that same fear, but they don't go in. You know, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe both of you have suffered from social anxiety, but you never went in. You never thought, oh, maybe I should see somebody about this. Uh, so there's, you know, a lot of people out there that aren't diagnosed that are part of that number. So I would say it's, it's probably much higher than that, uh, just because the biggest fear in the world is public speaking. Uh, you know, it's, it's very well known. So it's a very prolific um, disorder. And it, it's one that I don't think gets the same attention that, you know, depression, anxiety, or, or other mental disorders get, uh, just because it's hard to talk about. No, no pun intended. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think um, public speaking is, you know, such a big such a fearful thing for people. I mean, yeah. we are right. Like humans are social creatures. So you would think that it's kind of ingrained in our, in our DNA, right? Talking to others and being social and all this. Uh, what, what do you think makes it uh, so scary for people? Yeah. Well, and you really hit the nail on the head there. Uh, we are social creatures. So when we get up in front of our peers, we want to be accepted we want to be praised. And that fear of not being able to get that often 
is at the root of social anxiety and the fear of public speaking. You're not afraid of talking. Nobody, you could put somebody in a room alone, put someone in a room with their, with their mom, and they're not going to be afraid to talk. It's once you have that fear of failing or not being accepted by your peers that, that really causes the anxiety to spike. So a lot of the techniques that, that I work with, you know, some of my clients on are accepting that no matter what you do on stage, it's never going to be perfect. And the audience doesn't care. They are there to watch you succeed. We always think that, oh, if we mess up on stage, it's going to, there's going to be an uproar and people are going to, are going to hate us. They're going to throw rotten tomatoes, <laughs> but that almost never happens. I, I mean, I can't think of a single time that that happens, but what I can think of are many moments where the audience pitches in to help. They, they cheer you on. They start singing along to the song that the, the performer forgot the lyrics to. They want to see you succeed. So a lot of that anxiety can, can start to come down when you accept that they are just as scared as you are. They want you to succeed and they're there for you. So when you start to think of the audience as individual people who are your friends instead of one giant mass who is there to, you know, critique you, it becomes a lot easier to, to start to overcome that anxiety. Dang. I, I needed to hear that today. I needed to hear that about three hours ago when I was, <laughs> when I was at work and I had to give a presentation to my peers. And um, it's exactly what you said. I was so worried about them accepting me because they're my peers. They're not like a customer. If it's like somebody like outside, like, ah, whatever. If I make a mistake, there's other customers, right? But when it's somebody that like I respect and I want to be accepted by, man, well, if I could get a do-over on today, I would have done this interview first for sure. <laughs> but Just go um, and do the presentation again tomorrow. The, yeah, the best right. Part is there's always another presentation. Um, you know, there's there's a saying in the event industry that uh, it's just another gig. So there's there's going to be another one. You you mess that one up a little bit, it's fine. You got another one lined up, and you can do it better that time. So that's kind of the beauty of it. Um, and, and that's the mentality I have to take because, you know, I've done thousands of these uh, events now. And each time there's something where I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do a little bit better that time. You know, there's this. I think that's one really thing. important. Yeah, no, it's really important to be able to. Uh, right. We get scared of the critique of others and our peers, but being able to critique yourself, figuring out how you can improve what you can do better. And then the next time going and doing better and improving yourself uh, because so many people and I think especially when you're feeling anxious already, you just think everything you did was wrong. And then next time around, you don't know how you can, you know, make it better or fix it. But if you go in with that confidence and, uh, you know, knowing that, uh, like you said, right, kind of changing your uh, mindset about it and saying that I'm a great professional speaker going with that attitude, then you can start looking at, you know, what are the things I did well? What are the things I didn't do well? And, and you know, start working on the ones you didn't do very well. Yeah. And obviously, you want to be kind to yourself. Uh, I am my own worst critic uh, all of the time. So I've had to learn to give myself a break. And instead of the first thing in my head being a critique, every time I get off stage, the first thing in my head is, Hey, you did a really great job on, on these things. Compliment yourself first. Then you can start to look at the things that you could do better. Because 
there's an infinite number of things that we can critique ourselves about if we really start to, to go down that rabbit hole. But if you give yourself a little bit of praise, that little bit of reward, you're going to go, oh, that wasn't so bad. I did do a good job. And then the next time you get up there, it's going to be a lot easier. I like that. I think that's that's really good advice. Oftentimes, I I think everyone forgets to that, right? The Telling yourself that you did well or even telling others. We're, we're so quick to jump on the things that uh, we didn't do well or others didn't do well and pointing those out that we kind of forget that, you know, overall, you probably did a pretty great job. Uh, and even though there were some things that you could have done better, you know, it, it, it was a good presentation or a good um, engagement, speaking engagement or whatever overall. Absolutely. Uh, and I think the same goes for, you know, anyone else that you might be watching. You know, if, you, if you're watching a coworker present afterwards, shoot him a message saying, hey, I, I think you did a really great job on today's presentation. Uh, that can go a long way. I, I know that I, I would hope that I get more compliments than I do uh, because it does make me feel really fulfilled and go, oh, yeah, somebody else, somebody else noticed too. So being kind to each other, I think, is a big part. I mean, this is a community. So many people suffer from social anxiety. If we all start to be a little bit better about complimenting each other, saying, hey, you did a really great job on this. I think that will go a long way in, in helping everybody feel more comfortable presenting to their peers. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, speaking of, you know, social anxiety being more prolific, uh, in your experience, are there different parts of the world where, you know, the numbers are maybe skewed more, you know, there's more social anxiety or less? Um, you know, in have you seen that or done research into that to see if it's uh, maybe specific to uh, kind of the U.S. or other parts of the world, or even parts of the U.S. Yeah. So the the crazy thing about social anxiety, it is completely non-denominational. Every single society has that same fear again because it stems back to that you know acceptance. People inherently want to be accepted by their peers. So every society has those challenges. Uh, now some actually have more pressure, more social weight, you know, especially uh, Asian countries, the, the social weight of, of presenting can be much higher and much more difficult. Um, as far as the, the, the exact rates go, uh, I haven't delved into those exact rates, but I know that uh, across the entire globe, there, there is social anxiety in, in every country, every, uh, you know, sort of background. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I think even just generalizing it a little bit more and may, just anxiety in general is just everywhere. Um, yep. Whether it's social anxiety or any other type of anxiety. Um, I think I, I was even reading an article at some point that certain animals uh, exhibit anxiety as well and can get depressed. So, you know, we're, it's not even specific to humans. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's more widespread than that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think any creature that has some sort of social hierarchy can have those same feelings. You know, I'm sure that uh, that the lions out on the African plain, you know, they, they may feel a little bit anxious when they go up and challenge somebody. 
uh, or or try to you know court a mate. I, I think any st- structure is going to have that that underlying anxiety to it. Right, I agree. Uh, do you think there's a link between social anxiety and depression as well? Uh, absolutely. Uh, so speaking from from personal experience, um, you know, my social anxiety and my depression were very closely linked. Uh, I think anxiety of, of all kinds has a strong link to depression. When you constantly feel fearful or you have those feelings of anxiety overarching your life, it's hard not to be depressed. You know, you you feel this weight all the time and sometimes it's easier to just give up. And once you do, that's that's when you fall into those deep depressive episodes. Um, so I know for myself personally, a lot of my depression stemmed from not being able to talk about my my feelings, uh, especially as as a man. It's difficult. You know, you're you're kind of taught, hey, keep it in. You're not you're not supposed to have those feelings, you know, man up. So the irony was I was overcoming my social anxiety. I was presenting in front of thousands of people, but I couldn't open up about my feelings. So until I did that, I I wasn't really able to overcome the depression as well. Um, so being able to have those conversations, especially with you know a, a therapist um, or licensed professionals, is incredibly valuable in in overcoming that depression. I wow. completely agree. Yeah, they can both be so isolating. I know like when I'm in depressive states, like I don't want to be around people or when I have social anxiety, same thing. I'm like, I just, just leave me alone. And then you're just alone. And the way to defeat it is, is hard because you're socially anxious. I mean, I've had situations at like parties pre-COVID that, um, you know, uh, I was out with friends and we're at like a big house party and everybody's just like, I, somebody made a comment that, like my eyes are really like wide and like oh, like are you on drugs I'm like no i'm freaking anxious like i i don't like that there's all these people in the garage and i don't know what's going on and blah blah and they're like no you're not like you're so calm and collected i'm like no i'm not and then um the person i was talking to didn't believe me and it was like oh okay i guess i should just like shut up and not talk about it with anybody because they're gonna not believe me anyways so then it's like all these layers that compound into it right and it's just yeah, it's it's tough. So I'm I'm sorry you you went through all that. I I think now you're probably in a much better place and you know at the end of the journey. But it definitely um, I guess I just like relate to it so much, you know. Yeah, and I'll be the first to admit I'm not a I'm not a perfect case. You still just like anxiety, depression is is kind of a lifelong illness. Um, it is completely manageable. And you can live a very happy, fulfilled life. Uh, but it all comes down to understanding when you're slipping into those depressive states and then talking to somebody. You you can't pull yourself out of a depression by yourself. You know, you have to kind of take those steps to pull yourself and then get the help that you need. Talk to somebody, uh, especially if you have access to, you know, a, a licensed professional they'll be able to understand and, and give you advice on, on how to overcome that depressive episode. And the first step in that is getting over the anxiety of booking that appointment in the first place, talking to that professional, because that still is social anxiety. 
I had that fear. I, I was very nervous to talk to a therapist. It sounds ridiculous, but it was true. You know, I, it, that the fear still, you know, it, it comes up in, in weird ways, uh, because regardless of who it is, social anxiety can, can creep up and, and say, Hey, you're afraid, you're afraid to talk to this person. No, we, we've talked about that, uh, at, at length on the podcast, you know, professional help was how, uh, I think it was the most important thing that I did to help me overcome my anxiety, uh, or at least help me manage it better. And, you know, we, we've mentioned how I had told Matt to, you know, make his appointment and how, how long did it take you, Matt, until you actually, uh, actually made the call? It was about nine months. And the big part of that was just what Marcus said, where I was like, I, I don't want to talk on the phone. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say. I think I re-recorded the voicemail I left like five or six times before I had it just right. And even then, like, didn't matter, right? Because like, she wasn't going to pick up it was just a voicemail, but it was just, um, it was like terrifying just to be like, I have to be you know, perfect, which makes zero sense. Like now that I've had a lot more exposure to calls, I'm just like, just hop on a call and let's go. But I still get nervous. I just force myself to do it, <laughs> which kind of, kind of helps <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, being able to say I have to do this because it's a part of my life. That's a big part of it. So, you know, don't tell yourself, hey, I have to force myself to do this. Say, I I get to do this. This is part of my life. I get to do it. And nothing to be afraid of. Because when you start associating those things with forcing yourself, then you kind of build up that resentment. You know, I was I was really bad at that. I would say, oh, uh, I gotta I gotta force myself to to go to the therapist. Well, no, I get to go to the therapist, and that was a that was a great way for me to positively reinforce that activity. And now I talk about it all the time. If you want to go and and talk to somebody you find attractive, don't be like, oh, just go do it. I'm gonna force my. I'm just gonna go do it. Say. I get to go talk to this person. And now all of a sudden you framed it in a way that's more exciting. It's it's a decision that you get to make. Uh, and it makes it a lot more easy to, to make that approach. Yeah, it goes back to what you were saying about changing your, right, the way you think about things. Uh, I just think it's so powerful and you can use it in so many different, uh, so many different ways, in so many different ways where, you know, not just about making a call or going to talk to someone, but just anything that, that you do on a daily basis, right? Even, you know, getting on a recording or a podcast, you know, uh, making a presentation at work, writing an email, even doing stuff around the house, right? You know, if I, I recently bought a house and if every time I had to, you know, go outside and do yard work, I said, I have to go and do this, right? I pretty soon I'd probably be uh, trying to figure out a way to stop doing it. But I, I mean, I enjoy doing it, and I, like you said, I frame it in such a way where, you know, it's something that I enjoy doing because I can be outside. You know, I get to go outside and spend some time outside. I get to take care of my house or take care of my lawn. Yeah, and, and it. Yeah, if ahead. you do it, you get rewarded because now you have a, a cleaner yard. You've got a freshly mowed lawn. Your your house looks better. It's nice. It's neat. The same thing goes for 
social anxiety. When you say, I get to go talk to this person, all of a sudden you have a new friend or you, you get a new job because you took that interview uh, or you gave that presentation. So you got a promotion. There's a, a compounding effect when you put yourself out there and you start to, you know, kind of push yourself. Good things are going to come from it. You're, you're going to start to get that reward. Um, so you, if, if you think about it in those ways, it becomes so much easier to, to do the yard work or to, to talk to that person, give that presentation because now the there's, there's rewards. Right. Yeah. And the reward for calling the therapist being, you know, you can finally start unpacking all of that mental weight and, you know, figuring out ways to manage it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even I was just thinking like, cause so I have to like call my health insurance, right? Like they build something incorrectly. And I, cause like with my therapist, she was covered and then not covered. It was this huge freaking ordeal. Um, but framing it in the same way, like I get to call my health insurance because I have health insurance. Right. So it's kind of like taking everything in positive. So I'm going to start doing this. I mean, I get to be on this podcast. I was nervous having you on today, Marcus. So I was like, <laughs> Oh no, somebody else is on. And a shot always does the whole, like, Hey, you're being quiet today in an interview, like talk more. And I'm like, shit. Okay. What am I saying? Um, what am I doing? So, you know, yeah. Um, all right. Well, you changed my life already. So I'm glad five, five out yeah. of five stars. <laughs> I'm very glad. Uh, Marcus, what, um, I guess to kind of start going towards the end, what's, uh, you know, what, what would you like to tell our listeners? What, you know, what would be one piece of advice or anything you'd like to, to let them know? Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing I like to tell people is nobody is immune to social anxiety and anybody can start to overcome it. I have seen six-year-olds at summer camp start to overcome their social anxiety. And I've seen 60-year-olds start to overcome their social anxiety. So don't think that you're ever a lost cause or start to label yourself as, well, I'm okay being an introvert for the rest of my life. That's okay. I'm an introvert. But there are going to be situations where when you push yourself outside of your comfort zone and you start to have those interactions, you, you build those conversations, it's going to start to bring positive things into your life and it's going to make it better than you could have ever imagined. Most of the, the great people that are part of my life wouldn't be here if I didn't initiate that interaction. We, we don't realize it, but so many people just lower their head and keep walking. You could have walked by the, the love of your life or your best friend or your, your boss, your, your new boss. If you start to open up and have those conversations with people, you're going to one, learn a lot more than you could on your own. And number two, you're going to start to have relationships that make your life better. That's great advice. Thank you, Marcus. And again, your new book, Don't Shut Up is coming out on May 3rd, which it's actually my birthday, so kind of kind of all works out. A, a great day to celebrate. Fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll be wishing you a happy birthday then as we're as we're launching the book. It's going to be available uh, exclusively through Amazon, Audible, and Kindle. Uh, so if you want to hear more of my voice, you can get the audiobook. Uh, I do narrate it myself. <laughs> so uh, yeah, look out for the book on on May third. It's awesome. Thank you again, Marcus. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. 
And we look forward to reading the book and maybe talking again soon sometime. Fantastic. And, and to the listeners, remember, don't shut up.